I'm good. How are you? I'm good. This is Thinking Like a Lawyer. It is. Yeah. Did you know that, Chris, that this is Thinking Like a Lawyer? I just woke up. I'm barely thinking like a person. (laughs) This is Thinking Like a Lawyer, your favorite legal news podcast, where we talk about what's been going on in the legal landscape, in particular, the sort of legal landscape that Above the Law would cover. You know why we talk about what Above the Law covers? Because that's where we're from. That's right. Hey! I'm Joe Patrice from Above the Law, and I'm joined by Catherine Rubino. Also of Above the Law. And Chris Williams. Yes, I'm, I'm part of y'all too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and so we're here to talk about the week's stories. Uh, with that, we normally, though, begin the show with a little segment that we- Yeah, we, we do. We put off yeah. to the side and we, we give it- a little bit of fanfare where we talk to you all it's about a lot of fanfare. But. We talk, we talk about, you know, like our, our personal lives and stuff like that. Just, it's a little bit of a humanizing effect mm. is what I'm hoping for. It, it, we are the people behind. That's right. The podcast. That's right. It's, I, it's, you were just going to keep on ad libbing until I said something so you could interrupt me. So. That is correct. And, <laughs> and now that's done. So we're going to begin the small talk section of the show. Small talk. Small talk. How is everybody doing? Good. I just got back from a girls weekend with a bunch of friends that I have. Uh, we went to Savannah, Georgia, Ooh, which nice. is apparently the most haunted city in the country, or at least they claim that they are. Okay. Built upon the dead. We walked over lots of graves where there's just streets now. Uh, so that's fun. Uh, it was a good time, though. Uh, good time was had by all. I think the most entertaining time that I had was we went on those one of those big bikes where like 10 people pedal at the same time that was also a tour and it was also um, a little bit of a pub crawl so you would pedal through the streets like there were cars behind us and I'm like I'm so sorry we are going as fast as our little legs are taking us Mm. Uh, and uh, pull over in front of a bar, stop, get, you know, your $2 off your standard mojitos mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> then get back on a bike and continue and go to on pedal. the road. Yeah. yeah, now, yeah all super of that safe. Yeah. Series of, that, I mean, that sounds like a law school hypo for an exam <laughs> if I've ever heard one. It also has some of the more liberal um, open carry laws for alcohol. Mm. Um, no lid plastic containers but other than that have fun so you can you can't have a lid but so long as it's not right lidded. so you, there's lots of spills yeah okay but other than that yeah which is why we could bring our mojitos on the pedicab and pedal our little butts off okay yeah, it was a good time. Apparently, it is no longer the largest city with open container laws because, uh, well, according to, again, one of the tour guides, so, you know, only repeating information, not have not verified it. But um, New Orleans recently or a couple of years ago expanded their footprint of how far their, their open container laws go. And so Savannah moved to number two. No. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, that, that, so I had more fun than you did this weekend, didn't I, Joe? Well, yeah, I mean, I was sick, so I... That's that's just a bummer. After returning from the conference... Were uh, you sick because you're a Bama fan and you saw them lose to Tennessee? No, that had nothing to do with it. Although that was that was pretty. (laughs) Or did that make you feel better? (laughs) I mean, mean, look, I I I don't have 
I don't hate Alabama or anything like some people. Yeah, I just, but it just feels good. It, when is, they lose. it was fantastic to to see. Uh, yeah, no, I was sick because, uh, you know, conferences, you work, you know, conference you, life really wears you down. It does. Uh, very little sleep. I was joking, but you were around. very serious about it. Yeah, no. And so I was sick, uh, but I feel pretty good. Uh, it was not COVID, thankfully. So Woo-hoo. that's nice. Uh, How about yeah. you, Chris? What did you do this weekend? Uh, well, today my house almost burned down. Um, okay. Well, was, that's not great. It was. It, well, it was I guess hot, the almost part is good. The yeah, almost the om- was good. Almost. Yeah. So, um, it was two a.m. and uh, I was grading my papers for the because I teach an Africana studies course. Right. I mean, I told my students I would get the grades to them by Friday, and Friday at this point was two days ago. So I'm on <laughs> my second energy drink, trying to you know suffer through misplaced gerunds. And mm. I saw the light flicker in my in my back study, and I was like, "Okay, that's fine. Things happen." But then it happened again, and I was like, "Eh, I should go check this." So I look around the house. I go down into the kitchen, and there's an electric fire. Um, oh God! Around the dryer. Thankfully, I had a fire extinguisher that I bought like two months before this. Rapidly put the fire out, and I'm like, "Okay." I don't see a fire, but it doesn't mean there isn't one. There could be one that's Correct. Like mm-hmm. in the walls. In the so walls, yep. Smart thing to do was um, call the call the 911 people. So I dialed that number, and I called the fire department to my own house. <laughs> nice, <laughs> and I'm, nice, and I'm nice. sitting outside. Thankfully, I was dressed, because usually at 2 a.m., I am not. But, Presentable. You know, that makes sense. You Most know, people aren't. And um, so I'm sitting there with my, my my little $20 fire extinguisher as the people with the the big guns come by and make sure I'm not, you know, going to die of monoxide poisoning or anything. Wow. And, you know, now I'm fine. I got a, got a couple hours of sleep in, which weren't as restful as usual because of the whole <laughs> yeah, fire no. thing. Almost dying thing. Yeah. No, that's But, that's you know, it, the thing is, it was also like, it was the best conditions to almost have a house burned down because uh, I was awake. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, w- I went on my gut instinct. Um, and because it was my dryer, you know, I've, I've ran yeah. a dryer when I was asleep before, you know, um, I had a fire extinguisher on me. And Which like, also it, everyone should. Everyone should. Um, mm-hmm. It was like 20 bucks. Um, besides listening to Joe's sultry voice, if you take anything else from this podcast, buy a fucking fire extinguisher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they last far longer than the bottle of bourbon that you haven't been drinking because your uncle got it for you a couple of years ago. And it's more useful. Uh, just get one off Amazon. Um, but yeah, that was my morning. I know it the question sounds, was weekend. Who hasn't been drinking? And I'm like, go on. <laughs> it seems to me the procrastination maybe saved you and your house because if you hadn't been awake and watching when it was happening, who mm-hmm. knows what would have happened. So, yeah, so procrastination you, is great. Yeah, had mm-hmm. you graded them on time, yeah. You know what? The, the thing that I take away from this, uh, one of the revelations, we'll talk a little bit more about the Legal Trends report that was released at the Clio conference that I was at. But in the small talk section, since this is relevant, you know, 2 a.m., one of the one of the revelations of the Legal Trends report is they run based off the data that they have, what hours lawyers are actually using the system. So they can they can say like, oh, lawyers were working at this hour of the day or whatever. Uh, but they also ran a survey of what days, what times of the day do you want to work uh, and ran those against each other. Uh, unsurprisingly, mm-hmm. lawyers are working kind of around the clock, but when do they really want to be working? And, you know, there are people who want to keep 
non-traditional hours. And, you know, I prefer working from 11 to one, you know, that I have kids or whatever, uh, th those are all in there. But the one thing that blew me away just by its absence is there were people working around the clock and there were people who wanted to work in every hour segment except 3 a.m. Universal me time for attorneys <laughs> is apparently 3 a.m. Mark it down, everybody. Amazing. It's All time right, to we, get home from the bar right about then. Yeah, I guess. I know. Anyway, so that's maybe we should move on. And maybe that's a good transition for us to end small, small talk. talk. Yeah, I, I like I like that new thing. All right. So let's transition directly from that to the one of the stories that I did want to talk about coming out of that legal trends report, which was one of the findings of the report was that attorney rates. And now we're talking more small and regional law firms here. I, I don't think that the people who are charging upwards of 2,500. Slow your roll, Kirkland. Don't raise your rates. <laughs> I mean, Neil Katyal was one of the keynote speakers at this event. Uh, we know based on that kind of bankruptcy filing or whatever he was involved in that he charges 2,450 an hour. So uh, his rates may not need to go up. Right. However, for <laughs> small and regional law firms, they found that most are charging too little, as it turns out. Um, hmm. Based on tracking it opposite the increases in inflation, most of those lawyers are not charging enough. Now, is this a, a an overflow of overcharging in the past, just kind of catching up? Is it a situation where inflation is kind of transitory and working through different supply chains and not yet hit law? I, iffy, but... Well, it's, I think also you know, for those smaller firms that are dealing with, you know, uh, individuals as clients, you know, the despite inflation having a tremendous impact on the outlay of expenses for most folks, it is not really translated to an increase in salaries for a mm -hmm. lot of people. So maybe, you know, I, I don't know where this extra DUI money is coming from. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely that. Although, like, I also thought part of the problem, part of the issue may be, you know, we talk about the in the moving towards hybrid uh, at big law levels, but I mean, it's also trickling through everything else, especially when there are products like Clio that are allowing lo small lawyers to work remotely from anywhere because it's all cloud-based. Is there part of this that the overhead, the, yeah, the, yeah. that it overhead's going down? They they don't need the offices they used to need, and maybe from the bottom line of what the lawyer's bringing home, it's not changed uh, all that much. They don't need to increase it. Yeah. yeah. If you were lucky enough to have your lease expiring in 2021, <laughs> right. maybe maybe this has really worked out for you. It's interesting. And like, so another aspect of it, I thought that was interesting was that Clio was reporting that to their users, at least they've been able to increase the utilization and collection rates. Hmm. Not it's not a huge amount. Uh, basically, based on their users, most people are in a position to bill about two and a half hours a day or something along More? those lines. What? M two and a half no, hours. No, total. Like that. that is ultimately out of an eight-hour day what ultimately works out to be billable in a lot of cases. Uh, and with these increase in utilizations and and collections, they were getting, you know, an extra 0.2 or 0.3 hours over the last uh, year's worth of their data, which, you know, doesn't seem like much, but when you're billing $300 an hour, which is kind of what a lot of the folks in their 
client base are doing. You think about it, and that 0.3 multiplied out across the whole year means they're bringing in an extra, you know, 30, 40 grand or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when that's happening, maybe you don't feel the need to increase your rate as much because your bottom line is improving. Uh, because that's not you working any harder. That's you just doing a better job of collecting on the work you are actually able to pull. So, so, so don't shed a tear for attorneys, but they should also maybe be looking at how much they're billing. Yeah. And like, it, it, it's always a rough situation whenever you hear this stuff, because of course the access to justice gap, which mm -hmm. we usually think of as poor people not having access to legal services, which is obviously still a huge problem, but it's increasingly becoming a gap that affects lower middle class, if not middle class folks who aren't eligible for some of the overtures we've made to make legal services more accessible to folks who are on the lower end. And we've increased rates enough that legal services aren't available to people in unless they're rich. And so you've got this growing second access to justice gap. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the sort of thing where an increase in rates might be problematic. So even though the data suggests that it's time to increase rates, maybe it's not a great idea for yeah. And societally. you probably know your client base best. Right. Uh, that, that's a good way of thinking about it, actually. You know your client base best. So anyway. Calidus AI cleverly supports you by suggesting relevant law to address your complex issues. Put in simple questions or longer fact patterns, then Calidus asks you to confirm if points are salient before proceeding. Use Calidus to check if you found all the key concepts, cases, and statutes. Calidus turns that into a high-quality, customer-ready document. Handle complexity confidently with Legal's most advanced AI platform. Get $90 off your first two months. Use promo code Joe at CalidusAI.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-D-U-S-A-I.com. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. What else do we want to talk about? Uh, let's talk about, let's move to the, it's not really law school, it's not really practice, it's right there in between. Let's talk about bar exams. Don't cheat. That's a great idea. This has been your our subject. Yeah. Thank the you, bar. thank no. you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> no, so, okay, so this is a story that came up uh, a couple weeks ago, but obviously I wasn't around to talk about it last week. So a, there was a Reddit post uh, in the bar exam subreddit where someone made the claim that they cheated on the Illinois bar exam. And if you are going to cheat, don't admit it to I the I want to know if that was a problem. Yeah, it is. Delete, okay. delete post. Well, it's a weird post because the person also is complaining a lot about accommodations, which, of course, triggers a whole other set of issues because I think a lot of folks, there's there's a lot of negative pushback against accommodations, which are which 
people need. Uh, but there's a stodgy element out there who thinks that it's wrong that somebody might get extra time to work on something because of any issues they may have. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think it did read as though it was setting up the idea that anybody who gets accommodations is just in another room cheating because they can, uh, which <laughs> not what's happening is not what's happening. Uh, yeah, even if and you really, think this is it's, true. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and I know you think this as well, but it really kind of builds upon these stereotypes of folks that mm -hmm. do need accommodations and folks. So I, I mean, it's problematic certainly in that way that, that this thread is kind of building on those assumptions. But, you know, here's where things get a little interesting. Mm. The intrigue, of course, is that this person obviously is posting anonymously, but like not anonymously. <laughs> because this person's posting all of this, but also shares what law school they go to, the fact that they had failed two times previously, that they had accommodations, and then passed this time. Uh, with that information... That's, all, that's uh, probably a handful of folks. I, I'm willing to say that with all, all of those bits, like even if it was just somebody from that law school with accommodations who passed, I think it's a real hand, small handful. If you add in and previously took it twice and failed, I think you can directly pinpoint whoever the person is. <laughs> Fair. Uh, which then raised the question, is this person the dumbest person on the planet or is this an intentional effort to get someone else in trouble oh. who may or may not have cheated we don't even know uh but potentially just to put somebody uh, put a target on somebody interesting yeah and one of the people who in the comments on this on this thread noted that the person who posted it, and they deleted a bunch of their previous Reddit posts, apparently, but it had in the past been on a real tirade about some ex of theirs. So. Seems sus. Mm, it's very, yeah. very questionable. But yeah. also not the only cheating story from the last couple of weeks, which, you know, obviously when you're talking about accommodations, there's just more of stereotypes involved. But in this particular case, a law professor uh, talked about finding 12 different Bic pens that have been etched with the principles of criminal procedure <laughs> on them. Also, why do you need like a dozen pens to take an exam? It's, is it, are you writing for seven days straight? Like, I, I can't imagine you would need more than two. It's so here's suspicious. the thing. It's been a while since you've been in law school, so you may have forgotten. But if somebody showed up with 12 pens and said, well, I was just nervous that one of them might go out, they might all go out and I needed backups. That person existed. <laughs> in, certainly in my law school, people, people were like that such that I never would have blinked an eye if someone was that crazy. <laughs> if there's a person in law school who has 12 pens and they are not a character and a hypo, they have a problem. <laughs> no, the, they have the, a problem. They absolutely have a problem, but I'm just saying they absolutely existed. I, I do remember, uh, this is not a class I was in, but a uh, secondhand, I remember there was an argument being had about whether or not a take-home exam, the professor was giving everybody an opportunity, uh, whether they wanted a 72-hour take-home or a 24-hour take-home. And there was one person very adamant that they needed it to be 24 because they had other tests. And I don't know about anyone else, but if 
I have the time, I'm going to be working on it the full time that I have. So it's going to disrupt my studying for everything else. Aww. And one person, sugar, the, the second, the, the secondhand story I heard is that one person in the class who was on law review and very, very with it, raised his hand and just said, look, I think in my experience, it is easier to dial down toward neurotic than up to uh, and suggested we should accommodate the idea of people not being crazy, which I thought was a really nice way of saying it in class. Like I, if you had to do that anyway, but yeah. Yeah. That's so cheating, that. cheating abounds. Don't do it. Now that doesn't mean that we shouldn't reform the bar exam and the bar licensing process. In sure, this sure, 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 sure. Yeah. These are separate inquiries, but also as long as it exists, don't be a cheater. Yeah. It, you you should have an open book test because that's actually a skill of how to be a lawyer is to see a question and then research and correctly get the answer. That's how the test should be done. It should not be closed books so that people don't have to go cheat by looking things up on their phone. But that said, given that this is the rule right now, you should not be cheating. Yeah, or maybe only bring three pins. Right. Or, yeah. I mean, the professor actually included an image of all the pens. They had confiscated them, and mm -hmm. it it was a work of art. Also, mm -hmm. at a certain point, learning the material has to be easier. And I bet just writing it on the pens helps you write it in your brain. Like, we know that, like, psychologically, like, when you write things, it helps your brain retain information, like, physically yep. writing them out. And I'm sure etching is just more. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just imagining... And what I this is what I really want to say is what I hope is that whoever was cheating in this way was also wanting to be like a maritime lawyer. Cause what is a better way to have just like legal scrimshaw than just to have like an outline in your big? I think that's just <laughs> Has anybody ever seen I've never I I've seen it, but I've never seen it on sale anywhere. But I, I'm sure if the country wanted to put it on sale. Has anybody seen the Liechtenstein uh, maritime law case book? Uh -uh. It's it's been making the rounds. Uh, people send it around. <laughs> Apparently, there's a Liechtenstein maritime law book that you open up the first page, and the first page is just like Liechtenstein has no navigable waters, and there are no maritime laws. And that's like all the book says. I, I've seen it. I, I by by every account, it doesn't seem like it's a spoofy, like because it looks like a physical copy. Whatever mm -hmm. I see it anyway, that's that's Amazing. my new favorite case book. All right, let's do the merger talk. So, big mergers. Big law, big mergers. We got Dentons taking over, uh, bringing in a firm in India, which, of course, is a which is an interesting legal market. Uh, there's an old episode of this of this podcast actually back when we had a format where we did a lot of interviews, where I was interviewing some folks about how the law practice works in India, and it's. Interesting, they don't really have a big law system because how they, their laws about structuring legal firms are antithetical to the firms getting very big. They mm -hmm. basically don't let them be big, uh, which is part of the reason why all of those ASLPs are, um, and did I do that right? Or is it ALSP? I can't even. Alternative law. Legal service. Yeah, ALSP. Yeah. yeah, whatever. All of those had a robust business over there because you have Indian lawyers. You can't get bigger, so you gotta yeah. you gotta farm some stuff out. You have Indian lawyers who aren't in a position to really practice, uh, who are coming out of school not able to get a law firm practice going, but they can work for these ALSPs 
and do legal work in India at these larger entities because they're outside of the firm systems, which was an interesting conversation. I will endeavor to figure out what episode that was. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Denton's now uh, brings in an Indian law firm, which, Mm -hmm. of course, is par for the Denton's course. Denton's is endeavors to be the largest law firm at all times. And so this is uh, one more move into a market. But it's an interesting move because it also signaled to me whether or not maybe India is realizing that they need to be more, you know, more modernized towards the idea Mm -hmm. of big firms uh, with this move. Because it certainly puts those folks in a good position to leverage Denton's giganticness. To their advantage. Yeah. Yeah. But there are more than just this merger? Yeah, uh, there's there's a few new mofos out there. Oh. Um, Morrison Forrester brought in a litigation boutique, uh, which was another... I mean, look, bringing in litigation boutiques and stuff like that uh, makes sense and has always. And it's also useful because you have you know pre-existing client base and you have a team that works well together, yada, yada, yada. But... Yeah, what got me about it is, at least on the domestic side, now I get the international expansion. Domestically, it we're hearing all this talk of stealth layoffs and mm-hmm. things going to get tough and whatever. Uh, so the idea that a firm would be going out and looking to add, and not just add one or two lawyers in like the constant lateral shuffle, but add a, a group of lawyers. Well, I mean, presumably, they're also bringing their client base that had been working for them previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, of course. But but I, I think I take it kind of I'm looking at other trends that I think makes this make sense, which is that we're seeing that continued stratification in the top of big law, right? There's a real difference between the top 50 and 50 to 50 to 100, sort of when we're ranking firms by uh, profits. So I think that trying to get bigger is makes a lot of sense for those firms because I think it's a way to sort of ensure your profitability. Yeah, and I it, I do think that this there is a bit of a carve out. I obviously litigation generally is countercyclical, mm-hmm. so one is expecting that to spike. Yeah, I think that we had a trivia question last week that the Oh, did we? Yeah, well, of no, course we there did. We go. Uh where the most jobs available uh currently in the legal field are in litigation. Yeah, oh, so so that's true and there's also an advantage to the extent that it, apparently Dury Tangri is the, the boutique in question, mm-hmm. I, I guess I didn't say before, but they have a big IP base sure. uh, for IP litigation. So IP is, personally, I feel like IP, both the litigation side and the, and, uh, the more transactional side, is basically recession-proof. So mm. I feel like you've got, you got IP smart, and litigation. It's a safe bet. As yeah, far as I, things go. So there's a lot of people saying that this is going to be part of a trend of more, you know, maybe mergers are still in the offing and maybe some will be. But I feel like this is kind of a unicorn situation where we've got a perfect match. But well, congratulations to the firms that have found their perfect match. Okay. Tune in next week when we go on the law firm bachelorette and oh. see what's happening. <laughs> oh, you were doing it. You're doing a bit. Well, the way you made it sound like perfect match, you know, I was mean, kind of I, going. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. I, I thought you riffing. were going into the conclusion or something, and I was like, oh, good, I can kick back. She's going to do that. Oh, no, you're going to have to work. Oh. Work it. 
Fine. Uh, so that, I think, brings us to the end of the show. So with all that said, you should be not just listening to the show, but subscribe. Uh, you can go do that, and then you'll get the new episodes when they drop. You should be uh, giving it reviews, stars, write something. All Every little bit helps. You should be following us on social media. I'm at Joseph Trees. She's at Captain One. Chris is at Rights for Rent. The Above the Law Twitter account is at ATL Blog. You should be reading Above the Law so you can read these and other stories as they come out. You should be listening to the other shows. Uh, Catherine's the host of the Jabot. I'm a panelist on the legal tech news no no the legal see that was i i've not had an issue in a while and you all like made faces um i i, I all i know is not, said I work for it and you fumbled <laughs> the legal tech week <laughs> you did it again. no i didn't i did it right there <sighs> see it doesn't work uh, anyway it don't, it's not it legal don't tech no i did it right the second time and you <laughs> laughed over it anyway Mm, mm, journalist round table <laughs> then you should also be listening to the other legal talk network shows uh much like on the road which you got you probably heard to an episode week. of that last week yes they did I was that talking is to the audience like individually but but they did you said it like it was sly like they didn't get it but they, they did i mean they did they got in their feed and i hope right. they listened to it yeah i'm saying yeah where you could have heard me do give an interview you know, and I untainted bet, I, I by bet my no co-hosts. one interrupted you, and we are all poorer for it. In fairness, I was interrupted <laughs> by, the, by the PA system, which blared at one point, but I think uh, the editors were able to get that out. Anyway, with all that said, you should uh, do all those things. Peace. All right. And get bye. a fire extinguisher. And yes, get a fire extinguisher. Yes. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.